we're going to read from God's Word, and we're going to read a few verses from the first letter of Peter, right towards the end of the New Testament. If you've picked up one of the church Bibles on your way in, you want page number 1737. But before we read and before we consider God's Word, let's just pray. Father, we thank and praise you that we have this Word written, that you have given us and preserved for us through the long centuries. We believe that this is the Word of God, your Word of truth for us and to us. As we read it, as we consider it, as we meditate together on the truths that it contains, Lord, help us indeed to be hearers of your word and that we might walk in its ways because to walk in the ways of the Bible is to walk in the ways of God. Help us now, we pray, in all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in 1 Peter and we're going to read from chapter 1 and verse 17. 1 Peter chapter 1 at verse 17. And the apostle writes these words. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Well, we've just had that story about Joseph when he was in prison. Now, of course, Joseph was in prison in Egypt. But for what reason was he there? He was a Jew. He was descended from Abraham. So Abraham would come from him. And um, no, he was, he was descendant of Abraham. He was, he was part of that family that God had given all of those tremendous promises to. And here he is in prison in Egypt. Well, of course, Joseph was that young boy who had a gang of older brothers who decided that they didn't like him very much. And he was something of a favourite to his dad. Now, can any of the children remember what was one particular thing that his dad did for Joseph that made his older brothers really envious? One hand at the back. Yeah, he gave him a special coat. And the envy and jealousy that his brothers had for Joseph had just grown and grown and grown. And one day they decided they'd had enough and they were going to get rid of him. Some of them wanted to kill him. 
One of the older brothers very wisely said, that's going too far, lads. But they ended up selling him to some merchants who were passing by. And then they did an awful thing and they went home and they told their dad, Jacob, that Joseph was dead, that he'd been killed by wild animals. What a terrible thing to do for you, to your dad. And Joseph was taken by those merchants to Egypt and there he was sold again as a slave. And lies were told about him. Remember, Ben was saying, Joseph said to the cupbearer, remember me to Pharaoh because I'm here and I've done nothing wrong and he hadn't done anything wrong. Someone had told lies about him and he'd ended up in prison. But then because of this ability that he had to be able to interpret dreams, God showed that he had a very special plan for Joseph. You see, God had not abandoned Joseph and Joseph had not abandoned God, even though these terrible things had happened to him. And Pharaoh had had a dream, you see. And then the cupbearer did remember Joseph because Pharaoh was getting very angry because no one could tell, them what, tell him what his dream meant. And the cupbearer Joseph and the cupbearer was able to tell Pharaoh and Joseph was able to tell Pharaoh what his dream meant there was a great famine coming there was going to be some time of great plenty but there was a there was a great famine coming and Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph because Joseph was a godly young man that Joseph was put in charge of making all the preparations and Joseph from being in prison became second in charge only after Pharaoh over the whole of Egypt. And those of you who know the story will remember that that famine when it came was horrendous and all of Joseph's family back in Canaan were affected by the famine. They were running out of food fast and they'd heard that there was lots of food still in Egypt and all the family, well the brothers at least initially, they came back to Egypt of course, they didn't recognize Joseph by that stage. But Joseph was able to provide for them. And eventually, Joseph was reconciled to his brothers and was reunited with his father. We, re we remember those great words at the end of Genesis. As Joseph is able to say to his brothers, everything you did, you meant it for evil but I know that God meant it for good. God's hand had been in that whole story. God meant it for good. It wasn't just that it had all gone out of control and somehow at the end, God had managed to make it good. God had been in the whole thing from the very beginning. So sometimes, even when we go through some very hard and difficult circumstances, it's not because God has abandoned or forgotten us. Forgotten us. God is with us. And it's all part and parcel of his plan and purposes for us. And they were all reunited. And because Joseph was so close to Pharaoh, 
Joseph was able to find a piece of land in Egypt where the family could stay. They all came. All the brothers, all the wives, all the children, probably some of their household servants, all came and they settled. And it was a wonderful place to live. And they were there in Egypt and the family grew and grew and grew. Now, I know there's some people here who, live, who have quite big families. None of you have got a family as big as this one. First, there were hundreds of them. Then there were thousands. Then there were tens of thousands. Then there were hundreds of thousands. And God had changed Jacob's name to, any of the younger ones remember? What was the new name that God gave Jacob? Anyone remember? Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So Jacob's sons were now Israel's sons. Their families became the 12 tribes of not Jacob, but Israel. And this family was now a nation. They were all the children of Israel. So that's where those names come from. And the Bible tells us that after f more than 400 years, there were hundreds of thousands of them. It says the land was filled with them. God had blessed them so abundantly. Well, of course, it's over 400 years since that story that Ben told us now. And of course, that Pharaoh that Joseph dealt with, well, Joseph's died a long time ago. And that Pharaoh has died a long time ago. And there's been quite a few kings in Egypt since then. But now, over 400 years later, there's a new king, a new Pharaoh in Egypt. And he's looking round at the size of this big family. And he's thinking to himself, this could be trouble. There is so many of them. If they decided they wanted to take over the whole of Egypt, I could be in trouble here. They're really very, very powerful in this land. And he did an awful thing. He came down on them with an iron fist and he made them slaves. And he set them to work. Got some pictures. Tom, if you like to bring some pictures up. There's Pharaoh consulting with his men. We need to do something about these children of Israel. And the next slide shows us he made them slaves and they started to build. And they were cruel taskmasters over them. And uh, it was a very bad time for the nation of Israel. But God had not abandoned them. And he'd not forgotten them. 
and he heard their cries of pain every time a whip came down on one of their backs. And he heard their cries of despair. How much longer is this going to continue? And you see, when God was ready, slowly at first, because God always does things in his way and in his time, it was slow at first, but God set in motion his plan to release them from their captivity in Egypt and to take them out of Egypt and into promised land. It began with a baby hidden in some rushes at the side of a river. It began very slowly at first. The name of the baby? Any of the younger ones? The name of the baby in the basket was? Sophia? Well done. Moses. Now he's a Jew, but he's going to be adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Because Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river to bathe and she heard the baby crying. And she adopted him. And of course, if you know the story, his sister was not far away and they managed to keep the family together, which was a wonderful thing. But then Moses later became an outlaw because he killed an Egyptian guard because he knew who his family really were. He'd been brought up in the, in the palace with Pharaoh and all his family, but he knew who his family really were. His mother and his sister had been with him all that time and he knew. And when he saw his own people being cruelly treated, he actually lost his temper one day. Now, this isn't a good thing to do. And the Bible doesn't say it's a good thing to do. But he lost his temper and he killed one of the Egyptian guards. But he'd been seen and he ran away because he was so frightened about what might happen to him. He thought probably when Pharaoh finds out, God's plan began slowly. 80 years old, Moses was. And God called him to a bush that was burning but wasn't burning. And God called Moses and set him aside to go back to Egypt. Really? Go back to Egypt? Yeah, go back to Egypt, Moses. And to return. And most of you know the story of Moses when back to Egypt he went to tell both Pharaoh and the people of Israel that God, I am, has sent me with a message. Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. But what did Pharaoh say? What did Pharaoh say, Hugh? That was Moses. What did Pharaoh say? No. no. Pharaoh said no. Now, next slide, please, Tom. All these plagues came, didn't they? All these horrible plagues. There's the first nine. Began with water turning to blood. 
and ended in darkness. All of these different things that came upon Egypt that God brought and all the time Pharaoh kept saying no, kept saying no, kept saying no. But then there's one final plague to come. Thanks, Tom. The firstborn in every family is going to die. Now, if you've got brothers and sisters and you're the oldest, you're the firstborn. If you've got no brothers or sisters, there's just you. You're the firstborn. Who here is a firstborn? I am. Wow, look around. The firstborn in every family is going to die. Wow. That happened today. There'd be some crying in the families here tonight, wouldn't there? What, is, what a thing. Now then. Thanks, Tom. Next one. Now, some people might think, hang on, let's just press the pause button in this story here for a minute. That's not fair. It's only Pharaoh who's saying no. Why should all the families in all of Egypt suffer like this when it's only Pharaoh? He's the bad guy. Only Pharaoh deserves this. Everyone else is good. It's only bad men like Pharaoh who deserve this kind of judgment. That's a fair question to ask, isn't it? Is, isn't this unfair of God to make this kind of judgment against all the people? Have you ever thought that? But you see, we need to remember something. Pharaoh wasn't so much worse than all the rest in Egypt. Egypt was a land that had lots and lots of idols and false gods, which all the people worshipped. All the land of Egypt was benefiting from the work that Israel were doing as slaves. Otherwise, the people of Egypt would have to be doing that work. Everyone was benefiting. And you know, we went out into Liverpool yesterday and we were on Church Street in Liverpool and there were people there telling everyone that would listen about the Lord Jesus, about the fact that God loves them and cares for them so much that he would send Jesus to die for them. And you know, most of the people who walked past couldn't care less. Most of the people who actually heard what was being said and looked at the words on the board, some laughed. Some came out with bad language. Many people just poured scorn on what was being said. They would all say, if you ask them, I'm quite a good person. It's all these really bad people that God needs to deal with. God doesn't need to deal with me. But you see, not, 
Hardly any of them really would stop and listen. Hardly any of them were prepared to listen to anything to do with God or the Lord Jesus Christ. Most people objected to what was being said. You see, the Bible says this. There is no one righteous. No, not one. There is no one in this world who can call themselves good. No one. There was no one in Egypt who was good. There was no one in Egypt who was so good that they deserved not to have this plague come upon them. No one. The Bible says all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. And the, the state of the people in Egypt back then was exactly the same as the as the state of the people that the Apostle Paul was writing about 2,000 years ago when he wrote the letter to the Romans, is exactly the same today. And boys and girls and older ones who are here, there is no one who is righteous, there is no one who is good, and there is no one that is so worthy that God should not come down upon them in judgment, just like he was about to do in Egypt. No one can say that's not fair no one can say but I don't deserve that because there is no one good before a God who is altogether holy as we sang at the beginning the death of the firstborn is coming and it won't just be the people in Israel it was the firstborn even of animals as well it's serious and of course it's a threat to Israel because the message that came was that it's going to be the death of the firstborn in the whole land. So it's a threat to Israel because that's where they live. But you see God has provided something for them and they don't know it at first but God has provided a, a means of escape when that plague comes. Death is coming but God has provided a way of escape. That's the gospel, you know. Death is coming, but God has provided a way of escape. Now, what did they need to do? Well, we've got some pictures. First of all, every family, every household needed to sacrifice a lamb. And then they had to make a special meal and they would roast the meat and they would also have some bitter herbs which represented the bitter, bitter time that they had been in Egypt as slaves. And they shared the meal together and then whoever was the oldest man, the, the, the father in the household, he took some of the blood from the lamb that had been killed and he went outside and he sprinkled the blood in a very precise way because God had given precise instructions as to how the blood was to be spilled and sprinkled and there is a, a picture of perhaps how it looked and the blood is being put around the door frame of that home and then that night as that plague 
sweeps through Egypt. Every household that has the blood round the doorframe, the plague does not touch them. The death does not come. But for many households in Egypt that night, Someone's crying. Someone's screaming. Someone's running out into the street asking for help. And another, and another, and another, and and the noise starts to wake everybody up across the whole of Egypt as that scene is repeated all over the land. But everyone in Israel is safe because God has provided a way of escape. Now, why is this story so important? Well, it tells us something very, very important about sin. And it tells us something very, very important about the means of escape that God has provided and would provide. You see, Israel are safe not because death has not touched them at all but because another has died in their place. Remember this picture? Death has not come to Israel because another has already died. A lamb has been slain. What was the proof that the lamb had been slain? Sorry, you can go back to the one. The proof that the lamb had been slain was the blood on the doorposts. The blood has been shed. A life has been given. See, it's not that there was no death in Israel but the death had fallen on something else already. A substitute had been given. And all of this, of course, you see, is a vivid picture pointing forward to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he would do. Now, next picture, Tom. After this event, well, this was the final straw for Pharaoh and he said, let them go, let them go. And all the people of Israel, all the people of Egypt came to the people of Israel and gave them all kinds of gifts and supplies and goods and food and clothes and and expensive things and they all piled it on them and God had promised that that's exactly what would happen and it did. And out of Egypt they went, one final picture, off they go and they're leaving and they're being released and they're being set free from their captivity. And they're heading now for that place that God has promised and that God has provided. And off they go. And so you see, boys and girls and old ones who are here this morning, when set free by Christ, not only are we set free from our sins, but there is an abundance of supply and blessing that God then brings. Now, It's not the promise of a rich and wealthy lifestyle 
God doesn't promise that you're going to have loads of money and the best job and all the possessions that you ever, ever wanted. But what he does give you is the promise of his presence with you and even within you. He gives you the promise of his strength and his peace and his comfort. And he promises you that if you take the time to read it, he will guide you through his word and his Holy Spirit will come and give you all the help that you need to live your life the way you, you need to as a Christian. Everything that you need as you set out on your journey to know God and to love him and to follow him and to be obedient to him. Everything that you need until you get to that final destination that God has prepared for you to be with him in heaven forever. God says, I will give you and supply you with everything that you're going to need. Even through the dark days, even through the hard days, even through the difficult days. Now, I want you to remember, as we've thought about this story this morning, there are some very important things to remember. There was nothing that Israel could do to free themselves from Egypt. God did it all. He did use certain people as his servants. He used certain people as his spokesmen. That's true. But God called Moses to the burning bush. Moses didn't call God. God gave Moses the plan he was to follow. It wasn't Moses' idea. It was God's wisdom and power on display in Egypt, not the wisdom or power of Moses. He had none. It was God who provided Israel with the means to escape death. It was God who brought the death, but he provided the means to escape. It was God who set them free. It was all God from beginning to end. And that same God sent his son to die. That son shed his blood so that you too can escape that death which is surely coming. To set free those who are held captive in their sins to lead to freedom from sin, those who will love and trust the Lord Jesus Christ, to take home all that he has purposed to save. God is doing it. God will do it. There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open that you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus.